Welcome to the Simpler Business Podcast, where we talk about ways to do what you love and serve your people in a way that brings you income and freedom. I'm your host, Marissa Roberts. Join me as I chat with my favorite entrepreneurs about how they simplify their biz so that you can simplify yours. Two struggle points I see over and over again from business owners are decision-making and data. Decision-making for business owners brings up a lot of stuff, starting with the sheer amount of decisions we have to make every day, big ones and little ones, and then there's the emotional attachment we have to the decisions that we make as well. You know, it's like, what if I go this way and something bad happens? Or what if I make this decision and something doesn't work out? What if we freeze and don't make a decision at all and then we miss out on something amazing? It's a bit of a mind bender. And data is the other area that I find we tend to struggle with as business owners. If you are not naturally a numbers person, you tend to stick your head in the sand because when you don't know your numbers, it feels really scary to look at them. But what most business owners don't realize is that data can actually free you up emotionally from the decisions that you're making in your business. So it can actually take the pressure off when you understand the numbers and the data and everything related to your business. And my guest today is going to walk us through how to use data to help you make intuitive decisions confidently. Christine Tyler Pell founded COO Inc. after realizing that the business owners in her life were very uncomfortable with math and data. Now she teaches creative consultants, coaches, and designers how to leverage their data and their unique power to build the businesses of their dreams, easily delegating all the work that drains them while consistently delighting their clients. As a former accountant, it's a passion of Christine's to help business owners look at their numbers. A lot of her clients are actually afraid of them, so you're not alone if you are too, but it's all there to help you, and she wants to make that a little easier. So I am very excited to have Christine on the show. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I Okay, I'm going to be honest. I gave that example like all of us feel like numbers are scary because a lot of people do say that to me. I don't want to look at my numbers because I'm scared of them. But actually, I was exactly that person. Like I, personal and business, I was the sort yeah. you know, six years ago, I was the person who was like just winging it with everything. I didn't want to know if I was in debt in my personal life or, or how much. I didn't want to know if I was actually doing well in the business, because I was like, if it's not doing well, then then I'll be stressed about it and then it'll go badly. But, you know, if it is doing well, then we'll just keep going. It was like this real winging it sort of thing. And it was just terrible, terrible. Yeah. Can I, can I ask, what was the turning point for you? <laughs> A friend of mine. So one of my friends, Denise, she's a money mindset mentor. And one day I remember she just said to me, you just need to get on board with the fact that if you know your numbers, once you actually know them, they're not scary anymore because your brain will flip to plan making mode in what to do with those numbers. She's like, you just have to trust it, get to know the numbers and go from there. And she was right. She was right. When I did, I was like, oh, it's actually a lot better than I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's so great that you have a friend that could give you that guidance. Imagine if I'd never met her. Imagine if our listeners had never had you, li never listened to this episode. They'd, you know, I just feel like we're doing so much good right now just by having this chat. <laughs> I'm basically Mother Teresa. Exactly. It's a selfless <laughs> thing. We're helping other people. But yeah, it's a real thing. I get a lot of people saying they have that same worry. Like, 
they don't okay so they're worried what the numbers will be what the data will show in their business but they're also worried that whatever they see won't be good enough so it's like imposter syndrome is sneaking in there as well do you see that happen on a regular basis with your clients yeah i definitely i think that there's a lot of a combination of wanting to stick their head in the sand so they just won't know how bad it is and um and then there's the two other parts are that if they're worried that if there is enough money or that if they see that they are doing well, they don't trust themselves to spend it wisely. They're like, I'm just going to, if there's a surplus, I'm going to blow it on something stupid. Um, and then the third thing is just such a fear and discomfort around all things related to math and data, like from the jump. I just, I grew up in such a, a math positive household. So, um, even though I'm, I'm the oldest of all girls and, uh, both of our parents are just total math nerds. So we never got the message that it wasn't for us. And I just, I just always loved math. So when I grew up and realized that all the other women were like, yeah. You know, <laughs> not only am I not interested, I am viscerally uncomfortable with the fact that you're even bringing this up. <laughs> yeah, it's a real, it really is head in the sand. And a lot of people, if you said to them, are you comfortable with the data in your business? Mm -hmm. I reckon a lot of people would say, what do you mean when you say data, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and I know that was one of your questions was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to figure out which one of your questions that was. Exactly. No, you're right. It is. The first question was going to be, what sort of data should we be looking at? Oh, let's jump straight into that. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> um, so, so I tend to focus on three areas of business, um, finance, operations, and leadership. So sort of all the behind the scenes stuff. Most of my clients are really good at marketing. They're really good at sales. They know how to get clients, but they don't know necessarily how to serve all the clients that they get at the level that they would like to and they don't know how to delegate and then they don't know how to sort of plan for their future financially um so on the finance side i want people to start looking at their balance sheet and their income statement and an income statement can also be called a profit and loss statement um and then they should be looking at those numbers at least monthly or at the very very least quarterly. And if you're in any kind of accounting platform, most people are in QuickBooks, you can just run those reports and just learning how to run them and just looking at them will start to get you a sense of comfort. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can start to see seasonality. So you can start to see, you know, how the trends in when the sales and the expenses hit. So then you can start to see and expect oh, right, this is the time of year when this happens. So I, I know that next quarter, I'm probably going to see this come through. So you can also sort of emotionally prepare for those fluctuations as you start to build a comfort with that, uh, with just looking at those reports and not even doing anything with them. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the operations side, I think there's so much opportunity for entrepreneurs and small growing business owners to utilize things like customer success scorecards and to sort of check in with their customers, 
You know, you get those really annoying forms when you go to like therapists and they're like, how many days have you cried? <laughs> like all the days, none of the days. <laughs> you can do those sort of scales with your clients. If you come up with like the questions that really get at their satisfaction and how they're feeling and then just check in with them. You don't have to send it cold. You can just, you know, you want to touch base with your clients anyway. So you can just sort of ask those questions and gauge how they're doing and see you know, the trends in how they're feeling about your services and like where there might be sticking points. Um, the other thing about sticking points is if you map out your workflows, that's something that I find so many people avoid mapping the workflows. They don't want <laughs> to sit down and do it. They don't want to document any processes. But if you start mapping your workflows and then linking the amount of time that each of the tasks take and include how much you procrastinate. Like, no, this is a thing that I will not do for a week or I won't do till the very last second. And note those times, because again, time is a data point. So if you can see where those sticking points are, there's so much opportunity to clean those up or delegate or change how you're doing things to make things faster and easier. Oh my gosh, I feel like you were speaking to me just then, because I am a person, <laughs> who, yeah, I have systemized and documented some of my processes and I'm like, oh, I'm winning at life. And then <laughs> I've just realized I have never taken the time to go, how long does it take and how much do I procrastinate? And let me tell you, it always takes longer than I think it's going to every month when I sit yeah. down a particular process and I always leave it right till the end of the, the time I have available. I really should be putting that into the process. I really should be allowing for that. And I never thought it's, of it until you said it. Well, and it's so helpful. And, you know, sometimes having that, I know my mind works best when I'm on that last minute adrenaline. So, you know, if that's how you operate, that's fine. But if it's a procrastination because you're feeling dread or it just feels heavy, that's different. Then something needs to change. Probably if it's just like, I can get that done really fast and I'll just do it all at one time. That's, that's fine. Um, so sort of knowing yourself and learning when things are a problem and when that's just how your unique business operates. Um, those are, those are interesting things to start to discover as you start to track. Yeah. Um, and then, the leadership piece is really similar to the ops piece from a data standpoint, because you want to do check-ins with your team members. And that could be, you know, when I say team, I mean like permanent employees, part-time or full-time. I mean, contractors or vendors, literally anybody that you're asking to help you with your business is a part of your team. Yeah. And so you want to check in with them and make sure that you're asking the same couple of questions every time and tracking those answers so that you can see their trends and your trends and how you're interacting and start to get a better sense of, you know, when we talked about this, then when we talked about X, then Y happened. And you can start to see patterns more clearly that way. That's so clever because I never, oh, sorry, everybody. If you can hear my dogs barking, somebody's walking their own dog in front of my house. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I I think it's really interesting too, because when, when we think of data, when you just broke those three levels down, so the financials and the operations and the leadership, leadership never occurred to me when it, when it came to data. Like I never, I feel like all of us are kind of, 
not so much that we're winging it in our business, but we've developed all the things that we're doing and it's inside our head and we've never really taken the time to think strategically about that information and to to really forecast what we could do with that going forward that could make our life easier. So when you explain mm-hmm. that just then, I had these all these big aha moments like, oh, there's so much I really could be doing that with that information that never even occurred to me and I bet I'm not the only one listening today that's had that moment. I mean... Well, and I think that I know so many people who started their own businesses because they hated corporate life. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of an anomaly because I love corporate life. I love meetings. I love doing all the the big team strategy stuff. Um, and one thing that I especially loved that I bring to my clients who now, you know, are managing people and are just they hire people that they love. They love their the people that they found, but they also don't know how to vet people's skills and they don't know which skills are actually the most important for their business. They just hire somebody that they like because their emotions say, I, I love them, I can trust them. And trustworthiness does not build a, a huge, you know, the business that you're dreaming of. Um, So another thing that actually we are going to talk about more is to figure out those, the pieces of your business that are the most important. And what you want to look for are the gaps in, in those tasks that you find heavy Mm -hmm. and that are really important to your long-term vision and look for the competencies in those skills and not um, and not necessarily, you want to be clear on which of those is the peak priority. You know, you want to have like three to five really top priority competencies so that, you know, if somebody, if you have writes really good emails, like is really good in written communication, maybe that's somewhere on your wants list. But if somebody's amazing at that and you like them, you can accidentally start to let that that have a much higher weight and all of a sudden their capabilities with the platform that you want to use are like really low and now you're training them and that's not that's not why you hired them yeah and then it doesn't become a time saver or an effort saver you end up doing a lot more work and paying mm-hmm. for it at the same time and i think that's yeah. where a lot of businesses can get into trouble then it's such a natural thing though to hire based on personality. And I think we all have yeah. this habit of, of liking people who also have things in common with us. So it's like, we're just hiring a bunch of people that are the same as us. Of course, yeah. no one's going to go anywhere because we don't have skills that kind of fill each other's gaps. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. absolutely. And that's another way also, that's one of the major culprits of having really homogenous workplaces and how a lot of small businesses get into hot water because then, you know, they get to a, a certain point where now there's there's public scrutiny and people are like, why do you all look the same? Why do you have the why least diverse team I've ever seen? Yeah. Because they're just hiring. You're hiring the people who call out to your heart. Your heart, it called like calls to like. <laughs> yeah. This is why mentorships, you know, powerful white men mentor other powerful white men so unless they're forced to look for just like the the competencies and not just who looks like them yeah and who they're like oh you remind me of me you know yeah. that's how <laughs> that's, that's how we, that's how we branch out 
Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think it's easier to spot now. You can you can really see it clear as day when that's happening in a company. And and no yeah. one, I don't think anyone does it on purpose, but it's really that, you know, it's kind of, it's that integrated already. Like it's, people don't realize, but when they take a step back, it's, yeah, it's very easy to spot. So yeah. if we're talking in terms of intuition then and intuition and data working together to help you make decisions for your business, what are some good examples then that you can share of that happening? Because for me, I love the concept of intuition and I have no skill whatever when it comes to data. So it's hard for me to put the two together. So yeah, I'm really excited to hear about that. This is my favorite. It is my favorite thing. <laughs> I call it turning feelings into numbers. <laughs> um, so I love to, which part, which one do I want to talk about first? So I think one thing that I see a lot is really intuitive business owners who will be like, I just, I had this, like, my intuition is telling me I need to do this today or this. And, and you have to ask, you have to sort of weigh, is this your, your beautiful intuition or is this avoiding the very hard work that you've created for yourself that is important to your existing business? Like, are we, are we intuiting? Or are we dissociating? Yeah. Are you in flow or procrastinating? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Is this a crutch to avoid your work? <laughs> um, and it can be really hard to tell. So what I love to do, um, I actually invented this method when I was, uh, I was so mad at my husband. And <laughs> so I came up with this. <laughs> It's this thing that I call the values audit, and it's this process where you you list your values. You just like brain dump your values. You can start with like a journaling exercise to sort of get your mind into the right headspace of thinking about like your ideal life, your perfect day, and like find words that jump out at you or you can go in cold. Mm -hmm. You list your values. You sort of think about for each one, what would it look like if I were like the Beyonce of this value? So if I were, if education is my value, what does that mean? If I'm truly living with education as my top value, what am I doing? And so you, you try to paint a picture for, if not all the values that you listed, then at least like the ones that are calling out to you the most. And then you use those visions to help decide your top three to five values. And your personal values, especially in the businesses that I serve, your personal values and your business values tend to be the same. I mean, most people who start their own businesses and go into entrepreneurship are starting heart forward businesses. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, um and like, if you were in a larger business, you would have, you know, your leadership team or maybe the whole company do this also imagining the business, having having the current products and mission in mind to do this. Um, so, but you go through and sort of flesh out those, those values and you force rank them. So you know which one is like the number one, like everything else, if we don't do this, everything else is meaningless. And then, you know, you have to go one, two, three, up to five. Um, and then you come up with your vision for each one. Maybe you're not gonna get to the Beyonce version. Maybe you get, I don't even wanna say Nickelback. Let's just say, you know, somebody else. <laughs> 
<laughs> just a lesser artist. And uh, so you come up with your five-year plan, depending on where you are in your journey. It could be one, three, five, ten years. You come up with your goal and you come up with the smart goal that ladders up to that vision um, for that value. And you you use you use those smart goals to make your long-term strategic plan. And then as you have these intuitive hits, you know, pop up, you can ask yourself yes or no questions based on those values. Does this move me closer to or further away from this vision and this value? And if you can say yes for at least half the values, for that one thing, then all right, let, let's put it on the roadmap. Let's explore it. But if it's if it's like maybe one value or you're like really trying to force it, <laughs> then okay, maybe that's a personal side project, but that's not part of this business. Yeah. Um, so things like that are what come up the most. I ask my clients like which tasks feel heavy to you again with like the procrastinating and which tasks feel really easy to you and that can help also to prioritize um because a lot of times they'll try to just push through and say like i have all these things to do i have to do them it's non-negotiable and you know i always want to take a step back and say well if it makes you feel like you're gonna die then maybe it's not as non-negotiable as you think like is this a thing where you're immediately going to be fined a bunch of money or like you're going to seriously let down a current client because otherwise yeah i think we can find another way to make this happen that's so true i i say to people all the time like if you're not enjoying it that's a sign to systemize or automate or delegate or outsource it in some way for me it was bookkeeping yeah. oh <laughs> Bookkeeping was, oh my gosh, it was just, I was cranky all the time on bookkeeping day. Like, and my husband was like, didn't you start your business so you could do what you love? I'm like, yes, I did, but I didn't know I had bookkeeping. Yeah. Anyway, that's another, that's a bit of a pathway. Spouses, man. We could have a whole episode just on spouses and their dumb, unhelpful questions. <laughs> Yeah, but I can, yeah, I can see then why, how tuning into, you know, tapping into your data as you're tuning into your intuition is quite a good partnership, really, because otherwise you're going to float off on totally different tangents that keep you busy and sometimes happy, mm -hmm. but don't actually grow your business. They don't actually bring in sales or, or grow your reach or help you scale. And, and that's the important stuff that we need to kind of lock in in order to then have more freedom and more fun in the end anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love and the clarity it brings is just, ugh, yeah, it's just beautiful. I love it. If you're if you're only listening, I just did like a chef's kiss thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then, where do you think people make mistakes with their data? Are there places that they go wrong? Trends that you see where people are going wrong with with how they're approaching reading their data and acting on it? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the, the cardinal sin is avoiding it altogether. Um, and then I think the second thing that I see, especially in, in my side of things and like the back office side is that they really just look at the, it's like plus and minus, 
the end. We, yeah. we have, we have like peaked at addition and subtraction <laughs> and then I show up and I'm like, but what if we could like create a valuation for your happiness? And what if we could have like a multiplier for which tasks are going to make you feel the best and delight your clients the most? And let's look at percentages and rankings and, you know, um, so I think it's really the problem is that unless you're the person who looks for opportunities to leverage data, you're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah. And yeah. And I think going back to the, just avoiding things, the more, the more you avoid it, the, the harder it is to get started. It, it starts to become like this big, scary monster. So um, it's really important, I think, to, to just, to bite the bullet. I don't like to use the word just because I don't like to minimize how difficult a thing is for people. Um, but it is so I will say instead that if you need support, get support and make it a priority to start looking at the numbers so that you can avoid or, you know, kill the scary monster. Yeah. And I think too, if you look at the numbers once, that's one thing. But if you start to do it on a regular basis, you get more confident every time, don't you? Because you start to you start to spot things that you might not have spot before or, or understand things a little bit better or, you know, even just know how to log in and find the information, which is much yeah. easier after you've done it a couple of times. And so you don't feel silly anymore then. You feel like you have more control over what's happening in your business because that awareness grows over time. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then what does what does it look like from a, a higher level? So if you've got a business who's, who's in touch with their data and, and they're making intuitive decisions related to their data, do you see that it's, yeah, I guess, what, what do you notice as the expert? Um, I think the main thing is that what I see in most companies is they're either wildly creative and passionate and intuitive, or they're extremely data-driven. And I don't really see the two coming together. I know a lot of money mindset people who are very good at what they do, but then coming up with like the actual business strategy and uh, financial forecasts, those kinds of things aren't really part of their offer suite. And having a CFO who also is like, you know, let's, let's talk about tarot and <laughs> let, tell me how you're feeling. Let's start the meeting with how you're feeling is not typical. Um, so on the, for those business owners who are really creative and intuitive, what I tend to see is that they have so many ideas mm -hmm. and it just, it ends up being this like overwhelming noise. And, um, and ironically, I feel it too. I, I have so many ideas all the time, but when it's other people's ideas, I can like sift through it so easily and start categorizing and being like, okay, well, which thing, like, let me ask some questions to figure out which of these is like having the strongest pull for you. Um, so, you know, these people are having all these ideas. They're able to visualize every path and all the different, because it's not just the ideas. I mean, I'm sure you know, it's not, 
you maybe have 10 ideas, but then for each of those ideas, there's a thousand different paths yeah. to achieving those ideas coming to fruition. Um, so using the numbers in this way, I think really adds a level of certainty because there's no, there's no one best answer. And I think that's, that's one of the things that people who avoid math seem to feel like there's a yes and there's a no and i'm gonna be the no no matter what it is i'm gonna be wrong and i'm gonna be in trouble and that's really not the case at least not the way i do things there's just you just want clarity about what the next best step for you is right now and um and then you know maybe maybe that step leads you to a throw out your values audit and start from scratch. Maybe now we're coming up with something completely different, but at that point, then we're just adjusting. We're just making little changes. It's not like, it feels like a huge overhaul to you, but to me, I'm like, mm, all right, Wait, we're, just, yeah. we're just remapping a little bit, but this is fine. Um, so it's really having that, that certainty. And I always think about, you know, going to, well, you're in Australia, you don't have Thanksgiving dinner, but if you go to a, a holiday dinner where you have, you know, really annoying relatives, uh, I have like great uncles who like run insurance companies. They're the kind of people who want you to know banking terms and they want <laughs> you to show up. If you're going to talk about a business, you better have come with your business plan. Uh, so I always think about, you know, showing up to that room or showing up to a business meeting where you're asking for a loan or mm. pitching to a really big client that felt a few years ago like something you could never approach but walking into those rooms and feeling like you deserve to be there and you know what you're talking about yeah it does and that has such a big effect on everything i think for me it's it's kind of like Data is the difference between me hoping for something to happen and me being able to forecast if something's going to happen. And I think there's so much more confidence when I can forecast what I'm expecting to happen in terms of, you know, sales and results and growth and that sort of thing, as opposed to just, this would be very nice to have. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think if you, if you make I'm sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. Yeah, no, I was just saying having a bit more control, that kind of gives you a bit more confidence, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of times if you take that next best step, if you've based it entirely on intuition and your feelings and you have like a mood shift, all of a sudden you're a week in to your new plan and you're like, what have I done? I hate this, I hate everything. But if you have the numbers you can look at them and say like, okay, okay, I see. I see what we're doing here. And I see how we committed to like this length of time or like this many hours of trying it or this many times we are gonna make this attempt before calling it. And we can't call it until, you know, we've had this many reviews. Mm -hmm. And it just, it does help to like, like you said, bolster the confidence and, and help keep you feeling grounded. Yeah, that's staying power. I can already think about some of the conversations I've had with clients where they're like, you know, everyone is, everyone's had that feeling of 
social media, for example. Oh, what social media platform should, platform should we be on? What strategies should we use? I've had clients that want to jump strategies a month in, you know, oh, we haven't seen any growth here on TikTok. So we're going to go and switch over to Instagram. Oh, well, Instagram's not doing anything. I hear Facebook's doing really well. And it's like that shiny object syndrome. And they, they don't actually take enough time to commit to one strategy long enough to actually see it starting to work. Whereas I feel like when we sit down and we go, now, hang on a minute, look at the numbers. In the last 30 days, we've seen this, this, and this. And if we keep going at that level, we're going to see this, this, and this. And it's that conversation that makes them go, okay, we'll keep going as is, which in the long run gives them much better results has much less effort needed, much less learning required. There's, yeah, just, it's easier to manage a project. So yeah, already I can see like even just from that one topic, how that can be so much more effective. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy because, you know, most of my, a lot of my clients are in the field of marketing. So they can use marketing analytics and they, you know, they'll give the exact same advice to their own clients. But when it's about anything in the back office or anything, especially finance, they're just like, yeah. oh my God, oh my God, no, 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 no. Yeah. And sometimes we're too close in our own business. We need yeah. that help from somebody who's that step back that can look big picture for us because we're so emotionally invested in what we do. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh my gosh, this has been such a nice conversation because I feel like <laughs> A, I'm seen, I've been heard <laughs> as somebody who struggled with that myself. And B, I think there's a lot of people out there who have really, yeah, data is data is a scary thing to them. Making decisions is a scary thing. You've found a way to really bring the two together so that the pressure is off. They can be a little bit more confident. They don't have to be worried about making bad decisions anymore because they've got real things to back up why they're going to do something. And I think that that's, that gives you so much more freedom as well. It just, which in turn gives you more space to be creative in your business. So if you're a creative entrepreneur or a designer or a creative consultant, you don't have to be chained to the computer and talk numbers 24 seven. It's just that overall knowledge and awareness of what to do with what you have that I think is the power. So you have yeah. taught me so much in just half an hour. I'm so glad you were here today. And I know Thank people are going to want more. Oh my God, you've done more for me than I have for you. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know our listeners, they're going to want more from you. So where do you think is the best way for them to find you? Is your website best or socials? What do you prefer with people getting in contact? Um, well, if people want my irreverent BS throughout the day, then they should follow me on Instagram at coo.inc. Uh, but if they want to check out the whole website and, you know, do a deep dive, get really stalkery, then they should go to cooincorporated.com. Beautiful. And I know you have a resource that you've created called the Decisions Matrix too. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So this is, this is one of those things that we do after a values audit. So if you have, you know, your brand values, you can just jump straight in with this, but this is one of those tools that you use um, for any, anytime you're stuck trying to make a decision. This is another thing I invented in my marriage because we are, we were trying to buy a car and my husband is a car guy and I could not listen to him talk about cars anymore so i was like we're listing the criteria we are giving them weights and then each car that we drive we're going to score each of these 
each of the criteria and then whatever has the highest score wins and we're not going to talk about it anymore i don't care who made the engine i don't care at all i just want to feel so comfortable on a road trip and have enough cup holders that's yes. that's all yes. <laughs> um so so that is in the decision matrix, typically people use it for things like when they're hiring or trying to decide, you know, which vendor or consultant to choose. Um, so again, you want to look at those. What are the key capabilities or tasks and, um, you know, what other facets matter to my values? Is it is there an element of like they basically feel like me? Am I going to have my clients talk to them and I need them to be my emissary? Am I... Or am I looking for somebody who has a robust background in finance? You know, so you create these criteria and then decide how important they are on a scale of five. And then you fill it out for all of your options. And then whoever scores the highest wins. And then no more thinking, no more dwelling, no more ruminating. Move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, I'm going to make sure that we've got a link in the show notes to that resource and also your website and your Instagram, if that's okay with you. So that way people can yes. find you nice and easy because we like to keep things easy here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. That'd be great. Beautiful. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you for being here and for sharing all of that. You've opened my eyes to a whole new way of looking at things. So I really appreciate it. And I really hope that everybody out there listening today has enjoyed our conversation as much as I have. And yeah, I will see you all in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Simpler Business Podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. There's a link in the show notes to make it nice and easy for you, just the way we like it. If you're ready to simplify and scale your business, you can get started with my free audio class at marissaroberts.com. See you next time.